You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Before we begin, a couple things. I'm preaching on Amos today. So I'm lucky because there are lots of nice treats that have the word Amos in it. If you've never seen a famous Amos, this is the cookies. This is not what based off the book of the Bible, just as an FYI. Um, but we have been on a journey about talking about restorative justice in our church. And the first week, Perla was awesome, and she shared out of Hosea, and she came with a question of what really burns your heart um, as far as justice goes? What is, what's something that really you're passionate about? And we were left with that question, and then we came back last week, and we all talked about it. And I have a prize for whoever can remember what last week's question was that we were supposed to go home and ponder about that Brittany shared out of Joel. Ashley. Yes, Ashley, you've won. You can come get this after service, or you can get it now, whatever you want, if you want to munch on it now. Um, So, yes, so Ashley hit the nail right on the head. So last week, Brittany shared the word, and we we had homework to go and ask ourselves, how were we resourced to engage in the places where our heart burns? Um, So that basically is like, I am good at singing. That is the way that I am resourced to engage or I have a business, or I like to listen, or something like that, something that we personally have that we can use in order to bring forth restorative justice in the areas that we are passionate about. So I would like us to sit on that for a second and talk about that for a second in groups of two to three, uh, three, we'll say three, groups of three, two to three. So we're gonna take five minutes, five actual whole minutes, from my message, five actual whole minutes, and we're going to talk about ways that you thought about this past week. And if this is where your first, the first that time that you're hearing about it, that's totally fine. You can just, you don't have to talk if you don't want to, or you can think about it. It's fine. But just thinking about, <laughs> you must talk. Um, no, but just think about ways that you are resourced to engage in the injustices that burden you the most. So if we can put five minutes up on the clock, and let's talk. Four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. All right. Well, thank you so much for engaging with the community about ways that you are resourced to engage. Um, the question that I'm going to leave you with, that I, will, I might refer to at the end, but we'll see, is who's doing the work that, who's already doing the work, either organizations or people that are that are that are basically engaged in thank you who who is and what organizations are already engaged in the in the injustices that most stir your heart because the whole reason that we started this whole series was or we just happened to be in the minor prophets but we want to make sure that we are a church of justice and we want to make sure we're a, tr- a church of restorative justice and in order to do that, we have to make it a thing. Like, we have to make it our own thing because each of us represents something in the body. And God has resourced each of us specifically and uniquely to do the things, to be his hands, to be his feet, and to bring that restorative justice that only he can bring. So I will leave you with that question. 
Who is and what organizations are already engaged in the injustice that stirs your heart? You can think about it now, think about it during the week, and I promise you next week, we will talk about it. So come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, okay, so like I said, my name is Imani, and uh, I am here to preach on Amos. If you are under the age of 18, raise your hand. Put your hand down, Joe. Okay, so I have a little um, challenge for you because I know sometimes you guys don't like to listen when I'm up here, so I'm going to bribe you to listen to me. Um, and I have, again, I'm preaching on Amos, so I have props. I have three things that I want you to identify. I want you to, I want you to if you can come up here at the end of service and tell me what you learned about God, what you learned about yourself, and what you learned about the world around you, you will get a pack of Famous Amos cookies out of here. If you want, you don't have to do it, but I have a feeling all of you would like some cookies. And they're like really good. They're the Belgian chocolate ones. Oh, you have to, okay, sure, write it down, okay. Yeah, write it down, that's important, look at that. But I would like you to ask yourself, what did I learn about God? What did I learn about myself? And what did I learn about the world that I live in? And if you can come up to me and tell me, or at least show me that you did something, then I will give you a package of this, okay? If you're over 18, I'm sorry. You can still ask those, yourself those questions, but you don't get anything, sorry. You should listen anyway. Um, so I will be a thousand percent honest. I had some really good thoughts on Amos yesterday when I was preparing this. I was like, oh my goodness, Amos is my favorite. It talks about injustice. It talks about how God's going to bring justice. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was fully ready to come here and start yelling at everybody and being like, we need to do better. We're not doing it right. huh?" And then the Lord was like, I need you to sit down with me for like five minutes. And I was like, ah, why? And he was like, because we need to talk. And I said, okay. So I wanted, the Lord reminded me of who I am reading Amos. Because I come to you as a Christian, but I also come to you as a black woman in America. And reading Amos as a woman of color, reading Amos as a woman, reading Amos as a woman of color who also loves Jesus, is a very different experience for most than if you just were reading it and not those things. So I'm not going to come to you as Imani pastoral intern today. I'm not going to come to you as Imani movie extraordinaire because you guys know I always like to reference a movie when I'm preaching. I'm just going to come to you as a daughter of the king who happens to be a Christian, who happens to be black, and who happens to be a woman in America today. So I'm going to sit for a second because I said I just got to be at ease here. I hope you guys can see me online. So I honestly was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say when I get up here. So we're just, we're, we're going for it. So, it. so I, as I said, my name is Imani. I have grown up in church. I have grown up. I went to a Christian school my entire life. I, my mom got saved in a year before I was born. I grew up in the church. I obviously live in America, have done that. And I, I've, lived, I've lived and been in very predominantly white areas a lot of my life. My churches, my school, my jobs, 
And I have experienced both sides of things. I've experienced some privileges because my mom was very blessed and I've, you know, there are certain things that I just, I didn't have to go through, but I also experienced a lot of injustice and a lot of racism and a lot of inequalities. And I've always had this like wrestling situation of like, I'm a Christian and I need to love my neighbor and I need to, I need to love people. But these same people that I'm supposed to find safety have hurt me the deepest. Oh, it's going to be long. So, and you know, I've, over the years, I've blogged about it. I've like shared with people. I've said, oh my goodness, like, you know, there's all these injustices happening, all this. And, and uh, in the church, when I, when I have been in very predominantly white air, like places, I've talked about injustices that happen to black people or that happen within, you know, people in poverty or people that are just being oppressed. And I've gotten a lot of pushback as well because people just didn't want to hear what I had to say. And there's this, there's this thing, I don't know if, you've, if you are a person of color, you'll, you'll hear people say like, oh, I'm colorblind or I don't see color, and, which is you know, all fine and great. That's like the politically correct way to, to say it. However, in my experience, when people have removed the color of my skin from who I am, I can't be who I am, and you don't see the fullness of who I am. You don't see the joys that I have as a black woman, but you also don't see the struggles that I have as a black woman. So when I was in these predominantly white areas and, and these situations, I had to hide parts of myself, and I had to put up walls because I, people didn't see me for who, all of who I was. And I, had, and I learned that I, had a, I thought that I had to put up well, I'll just say this. In America, historically, women are not treated well, and women of color are not treated well. So I had issues not only in the church where I thought I could be safe, but I had issues outside. Because the world says, oh, you know, you got to be a strong black woman, you got to be a strong, independent black woman, no one's got your back. No, like, you have to have your own back, you have to protect yourself, you have to do things all on your own. And I had all of these walls up, not only from what the world was telling me, but I also had to put walls up in the church because I thought I could be safe there, but I couldn't because I couldn't be myself and I couldn't, I couldn't let loose. And I, I, if I did, you know, share, oh, this is something, you know, that I might be going through as a black woman, people would just dismiss it or wouldn't, they just wouldn't care. And I, I literally, like, I just had to put up walls to protect myself. So, 2020 happened, and people knew, like, oh, oh, Imani talks about race all the time. Let's go talk to her about this, like that type of thing. And uh, I, <laughs> the amount of hatred that I got from people that I went to church with, from people who I thought I, who I thought we loved each other and I don't, I don't have no, it's not that I don't have any love for those people anymore. Like I still have love for them, but there was just so much anger and hatred and injustice. And, and I was angry and I was like, I just need people to like hear me. I need people to see me. I need people to value what I'm saying. And I had some folks that did, and I'm not going to say that, but I also, I had a lot of people who just pushed back and doubled down 
and told me, you're not a real Christian. You don't really hear God's voice. You don't know what you're talking about. And I had, and I kept, I like, I fortified the walls at that point because I was like, nah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And the injustices of the world outside of the church and the injustices of the world that was inside of the church affected my relationship with God and it affected my relationship with other people. And I think when I look at Amos and I look at the minor prophets and I look at how angry God is about injustice, I think the heart of it is because he knows that injustice affects negatively affects your relationship with him and your relationship with other people. And the whole point of God, the whole point of Jesus coming, the whole point of everything in the Bible, everything that we do is to restore that relationship with God and to restore that relationship with each other. So when we look at injustice and when people don't take it seriously or when people are like, oh, like, it's fine, it doesn't affect me, blah, 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 blah. Does it not really affect you, though? Because it should. So. So I'm coming at Amos from this perspective. Because... I think every, I could probably say like everyone in this room, I, there's a couple of sermons one could preach on Amos, I'll say that. You could talk about how, you know, Israel was just so focused on idolatry and so focused on their prosperity and so focused on um, their materialism that that led to injustice and how that looks like the church today and like all that stuff. You could talk, you, we could talk about that all day long. But I'm pretty sure all of us can say like the church is not, the capital C church, not Spindle City Vineyard, but the capital C church in America has some work to do. We can all agree on that. So I'm not going to preach that sermon to you today because I'm just, that's just going to be redundant. We all know, like, we got to get our stuff together. I'm, gonna st- I'm talking to you as a person who has been on the receiving end of injustice. Because when I read Amos as a person who has been oppressed, as a person who has had horrible things said to her about her skin color or about her sexuality or whatever. I see a God who sees me. I see a God who points out all the ways that I have been wronged and is mad about it. I see a God who intentionally knows who I am and is mad that I have walls up because he knows that all of the stuff, all the injustice, all the wrongs that have been done to me are negatively affecting me and how I see myself, how I see him, how I see this world. And all, like, all he wants is the best for me. And I see a God who's like, I haven't forgotten you though. So I'm going to read a little bit out of Amos. This is probably not going to be a super long situation. I hope not. So 
So I'm reading out of Amos 5, and God is accusing Israel of all the wrongs and saying, like, this is what's going on. But I think it's interesting in, in Amos 5.11, he, he is actually pointing out what's going on. He says, you levy a straw tax on the poor and impose tax on their grain. And then in 12, he says, for I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. Those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in courts. And then he says, seek good, not evil, that you may live. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. And then he says in verse, in verse 21, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. He's talking to Israel because they think that, oh, if I just put on a nice face and whatever, I can still ignore the oppressed. And he says, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your hearts, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And, you know, God goes on and he starts telling Israel how they're going to receive judgment and all that stuff. But when I was reading this last night and I was kind of going over it, just now, I think, again, we have a God that sees everything. And I think a lot of us in this room might think that we're forgotten or that he doesn't see but he does, and he calls it out. Like, I hate your, this, I hate your religious festivals. You bringing me burnt offerings? I don't want that. I want justice. And that's the thing. God wants justice. What does that look like? I won't get into that. But God sees you. God sees me. And I, I just, I was telling the prayer team this morning, <laughs> I was really struggling with, like, should I talk about this? Because normally people don't talk about this, this side of things when you're reading Amos. But I said, no, and I just felt like the Lord was like, you have, there's a unique way that you hear my voice and I need you to share that. And I wanted to encourage the rest of you out here too that all of you are unique and God speaks to each of you uniquely. And he sees you very intentionally And he's very purposeful in how he created you. Because inequality and injustice and the world is going to tell you, oh, nope, you got to fall in line. You got to act like this. You got to be like this. You got to get yourself together. And God's like, that's not how I work. So, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? Because I just came up and just shared my whole life out here in these streets. <laughs> I was reading, um, I was reading a lot about Amos. It's only nine chapters, but there's like so many books about Amos. <laughs> um, but someone had said, 
If you worship a God whose fundamental nature is to pay attention and give gifts to the poor and oppressed, then that's the kind of society that will result. And at the crux of Amos, you had these people who were putting all their focus into idols. It was weather and idols about sex and idols about like wealth and all this stuff. There's just all these different idols and what resulted was injustice. But had, they, had the people of Israel like actually worshiped this God who pays attention and gives gifts to the oppressed, then perhaps the world would have changed around them and perhaps their society would have changed. But my question is, or I guess my statement is, God's fundamental nature is to pay attention and to give gifts to the poor, to the oppressed, to the forgotten. But do I believe that? Because I put up so many walls because of all the injustices that were done to me that for a long time I just I was like, well, God doesn't care. I have to act, I have to act like this at church, I have to act like that with my other friends, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then when God was like, show me who you really are, I love you, I see you, it took a minute for me to put those walls down. Life has not been kind to a lot of us. The world has not been kind to a lot of us. Whether it's because of racial injustice, whether it's because of just mistreatment in your families, in the world around you, economic injustice, poverty, the world has not been kind. And for some of us, not only has the world not been kind, but the church has not been kind either. The places where we thought we were supposed to be safe, we were not safe. The places where we thought we could, we could have security, we didn't have security. The places where we thought, oh my goodness, like I can finally relax, we had to put those walls up. But God, his fundamental nature is to pay attention to you and to give good gifts to you wherever you're coming from. He loves you. He wants to. He sees you. He sees the, the pain and the hurt and the ultimate fulfillment of him being that God that pays attention and gives gifts is Jesus. In Luke 4, 16, it says, And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written. And Jesus, Jesus talking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, 
gave it back to the attendant. And all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him because they were like, what? And, to, and he began to say that to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus literally is restorative justice. He has restored our relationship with God, and he has restored our relationship with our neighbor and with each other. And the enemy wants us to not believe that. He wants us to believe that God doesn't see us. He, does, he wants us to believe that God doesn't love us. He wants us to believe that we aren't important, that we're not valuable, that we're not protected. And, he wa- and the enemy wants us to keep those walls up because he knows if we have the walls up that God can't get through them. But the thing is, he can. He's victorious. And... I don't know. I just, when I was praying this morning, I just kept thinking of like all these things, and maybe this has to do with the word that was said earlier, but we, I just feel like all of us might have like these protective barriers around our hearts because of the injustices and because of the mistreatments that we might have had in our lives, in our past. And God's like, I don't, I want to break those down and I want you to see me for who I am. Because I am a God that sees you. I am a God that has not forgotten you. I am a God that will literally do away with folks so that way they, they know to treat you right. And I will bring you back if you messed up. And I will love on you even if you feel like you're not lovable. And I've created you intentionally how you are, no matter what anyone has told you that that wasn't the right way to be, like I created you that way on purpose because I love you that way and I want you to know me and I want you to know how much I love you in the way that you are. And I also felt like there's some of us that have these protective walls because, again, the world has not been kind to us. And God wants you to know, like, I saw it. I saw your pain. I saw your disappointment. I saw your anger. I saw your helplessness. I saw your hurt. And I never wanted that for you. I never wanted that for you. And he wants you to know that I'm here to heal. (laughs) And I'm here to restore you. And I'm here to restore how you see me, how you see yourself, and how you see your neighbor. So, (laughs) I think we should pray. (laughs) Because I feel like the Lord really genuinely wants to meet with you. And there's a lot of us who my, I don't know. I just feel like the Lord's just like, I, I want to meet with you. 
I want you to see me for who I am. And I want, I just want to love on you because if no one else is going to love you, I'm going to at least love you. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how ministry time is going to look like, but I just feel like that's, this is what we got to do. So (laughs) if we could stand.